Hey there, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Akash Bhatt, and you are listening to the Desi Vesi Podcast. This is a podcast where I bring you leading angel investors and venture capitalists investing in tech startups in India. I want to begin this week's episode by sharing a book that I've really come to enjoy called Tools of Titans, written by Tim Ferriss. And in it, he features a bunch of really successful people including investors from all over the world, and they share some of the best practices that they have come to realize over time that has really helped them be successful in life. I found that book to be extremely insightful and inspiring, and I thought we should begin the episode on an inspiring note. So if you do have some time, do check out the book. Now, before I introduce my guests for this week, here are two startups I'd like you to look up. Those who know me know that I'm a huge sneaker person and own about 42 pairs myself. So when I saw this startup, I was naturally excited. Flatheads is an all-day casual sneakers designed for workwear and optimized for 14-hour comfort. These guys are really trying to disrupt India's $12 billion footwear market. Check them out on flatheads.in. That's F-L-A-T-H-E-A-D dot I-N. The second startup is called Moverbox. Well, we all know moving can be a pain and we've all been there at some point in our lives. Moverbox is a Bangalore-based startup helping people to vacate and relocate their houses, flats, apartments, hostels, PGs in a personalized manner. To learn more about them, visit moverbox.in. That's M-O-V-E-A-B-O-X dot I-N. Or check out the links in the episode notes below. So on to this week's episode now. Joining me today on the show is Utsav Samani. Utsav is a partner at AngelList India and is probably one of the most active people within the startup community in the country. In today's episode, we talk about micro VC funds and why they are on the rise in India. Utsav himself has launched his own fund earlier this year called iSeed and is perhaps one of the best people to talk about the subject. I had a ball speaking to him and learning so much about this up-and-coming trend within the VC landscape. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into the episode and listen to Utsav. Hi, Utsav. Great to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited about speaking to you about a bunch of things. And there's a lot that's happened in the past few weeks for us to unfold over the next 15 minutes or so. But first of all, welcome. And how are you? Hi, Akash. Thanks for having me. Uh, As normal as one can be during these crazy times, I think lots going on in the world. uh, So it's good to just, I think, step back and uh, tune into a different reality, which is our work. And so just focused on work, making the world a better place through our investing and supporting startups through AngelList. That's awesome. And before we begin, can you spill some beans about new products that AL is going to launch for India? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> rolling funds aren't coming to India anytime soon. Uh, that, that's what based, that's, that was what I was alluding to. I know you guys have done the transfers and rolling funds here in the US. Uh, I was wondering if you, know, you guys have anything planned or on the lines for India as such. Novel and the US team, I think, are just a step ahead in terms of the whole venture industry, which I think hasn't seen any innovation in probably like 20, 30 years, right? The fund structure right. and everything remains the same. I think the last uh, piece of innovation which we saw was that allowing micro funds where operator angels like 
different people who've running companies at their day jobs but can now do uh, investing on the side and of course yeah. uh, open up the deal flow and access to other people to participate in. Uh, given their expertise, they get specialized uh, deal flow, which other people would probably not be privy to. And of course, venture is getting competitive in the US. So it's a different market altogether. People have to innovate on this infrastructure of innovation itself. So what really happened after that was that a lot of people wanted to do a different style of investing where I think the SaaS model was taking off and Naval and the crew at AngelList uh, US got together and said that, hey, why don't we bring a subscription model to this? And there are so many different things which come together. Like I think everything AngelList has done from syndicates to angel funds to a different kind of access funds and all kinds of things. It's come together into this one structure which allows people to run this fund for perpetuity where people keep on subscribing, can unsubscribe based on the liquidity, they can plan it better and all of those things. Rolling fund is a beautiful structure. Right? I wish we could allow this in India, but the regulations in India are way more stricter than any other countries just because right. investor protection uh, is at the top of the mind for the regulators. So I think it's going to be a while before we see something like this come to India. But I wish uh, we could offer this because the Indian uh, <laughs> syndicate leads and GPs are way too excited uh, given how much buzz it's getting on Twitter and in the VC world right now. New days uh, are definitely up ahead uh, for uh, an exciting product. Yeah, I mean, for the last uh, week or so, everything that I've seen on Twitter is all about running funds and people have been going gaga over it. And the other thing that, uh, that the SEC here did was that they relaxed some of the uh, restrictions that they had on who could be an uh, accredited investor. And that kind of became very interesting as well. The amendments that they have done may provide additional regulation certainty for issuers, investors, and counsel. So that's a great thing. So that now if, you're a, if you work in venture capital, you're, in a, you're an accredited investor. So you can start investing in companies, which earlier they had a restriction of people who had 200K or so that they had to have collectively or as part of, um, or, or they needed to be approved to be an investor on, on various platforms. But then I, I like the fact that there's a lot more relaxation with uh, all of these regulations and rules that are coming into place, giving everybody an opportunity and, and almost making it a level playing field in, uh, in a way so that a lot more people can get involved in the whole venture ecosystem as such. True. Democratization of this asset class is needed. I think uh, given how the public markets uh, uh, are basically just jumping uh, uh, here and there, I think all the returns are being accrued in the private markets. And I think allowing people to be a part of that was key to growing the whole venture ecosystem and technology industry as a whole. So it's absolutely great. More capital coming in uh, benefits a lot of people and more smart capital also, right? Because people absolutely. working in the venture industry or have knowledge experience and regulators have typically been gatekeepers of this through like one simple bar, which has not changed for a while, accreditation rules. And that simply states that if you have X uh, dollars as a net worth, then you should be able to invest into this asset class. So people who are smart uh, jobs just about, about because of working in this particular industry can help the company in much, many different ways and they should be allowed to participate and increase the chances of success of the yeah. company and their investment. So it's great. It's great to see more capital uh, into the ecosystem. Yeah, the barrier to entry is obviously uh, being relaxed and it's great for the ecosystem. It's great for potential investors. It's great for the startups. But that kind of like leads me to a point. I was going to bring this up later in the podcast, but since it organically mm -hmm. came up, how do you see it from a micro VC perspective? Do you see more people as competition or do you see capital that's being infused into the ecosystem as a great thing so that you are now, you can de-risk your uh, opportunities when you make an investment? So two things to look at it uh, from a GP and an LP perspective. I think LPs can now become LPs in different micro funds. Typically, like if they wanted to access this asset class as an LP, 
they need to have access to even sequoias and light speeds or the haloed venture firms right which are which have typically such a high bar for just coming into their funds that i wouldn't be able to participate or i become mm-hmm. an angel investor who builds his own brand and brings his own team flow and that takes a while it's a, but yeah. there are, and and now i think brands are going to be i mean we're living in this influencer world where almost a single person can be a fund of their own uh, in many different ways they can bring like a unique deal flow they can bring unique set of skills and judgment that a founder wants just them they don't want the whole firm or the partnership along with it so this era which i think nikhil has coined a solo capitalist is coming together uh, mm. now so that you're going to see a lot more people running around with their own checkbooks and own micro funds and that benefits the founders now they're going to pick i think the power balance in the traditional sense has been the vc is more powerful but i think now the power of balance in terms of choice of capital and the kind of capital that he wants he or she wants to raise is literally shifting uh, to the founders uh, uh, this thing so the founders now can pick different this so it's for micro fund operators like me and the other people to differentiate themselves in ways that how can they be helpful to the founder and so we're literally in the service industry and i think capital is a commodity so now what else can you bring to the table for a founder and in my micro fund which i raised i seed i try to be a bridge between the silicon valley ecosystem and the indian ecosystem i think indian ecosystem ran ahead in terms of the amount and dollars of capital deployed but i don't think we matched up to the level of the silicon valley ecosystem in terms of the knowledge and the support and the co- collaborativeness uh, and the mentorship and the guidance which i think came with it as a industry which is because exi- uh, of the industry existing for countless decades right so i think the i wanted to bring that knowledge bridge i don't i'm not saying that i'm going to write super large checks but i'm bringing mm-hmm. a check which can make meaningful difference to the success of a company by connecting you to people who built scaled invested in unicorns or taken companies or ipos and that was the thought process behind my microphone so i'm treating that to be the key differentiator that is very interesting so i don't yeah i sorry, think i answered it but yeah so i i mean i don't see this as competition i i want more people to run uh, their own microphone this great for angelist as a business we want more people to be running their own microphones that's why we created this infrastructure right the thought process is that the, it's not a zero sum game i think more companies being created means more returns being accrued mm-hmm. for investors and lps and founders and gps so it's it's i mean it's literally the greatest wealth creation history i mean it's literally the most accelerated wealth creation that we've seen in the history of mankind given technology is a great level leveler of sorts for the david versus goliath battles so it's it's an amazing time to be alive basically and investing absolutely and uh, as you know nikhil posted in his article as well the angel investors have been a very important um, component uh, part of the uh, vc ecosystem and given that there are more people getting into the ecosystem right now and there's a level playing field that's being built i think it's going to benefit a lot more people not just the vcs not just the micro vcs but also the startups and uh, they as you previously mentioned also have an opportunity now to work with strategics and people who will really add a lot of value it could be from a mentorship perspective could be from a product perspective and we haven't seen that off late because i can tell you very honestly the com- the kind of vc firms that we end up investing with as well some of them invest and there's a not not a whole lot of support that goes in especially during the early stages maybe the lead investor takes the initiative as such but now the founders get that get the opportunity to really pick who they want to work with and on what 
you know, for hiring, they might really go to a few people because some people are more, uh, they have their own expertise. But I've been seeing a lot more founders spending time with fellow founders and people who have actually had an opportunity to build companies, exit companies, and taking a lot more advice from founders uh, within the community rather than just VCs. So that I believe is really great. No, empathy is going to become a key undertone of investing. I think uh, investors who've run companies before or running companies before have answered to boards or raised capital or scaled their companies from 10 to 100 employees. They bring a certain level of empathy that a regular investor who's just coming from a consulting background cannot bring. Uh, right. I mean, of course, there are exceptions to every rule, but I think empathy is going to be a key uh, undertone of investing going forward and founders will become smarter, right? Uh, mm -hmm. In who they raise capital from. And I mean, that's great. There will be always different kinds of founders who just take pure capital and are on their own. But there are some people who need, uh, I mean, who want support at say 2 a.m. at night about a key thing which is not letting them sleep. So yeah. all kinds of, I mean, a whole bunch of mixture. I mean, it's not uh, easy to paint this whole industry with one brush though. I love that. I love that you're seeing all of these trends in India as well. This is wonderful for the ecosystem. Very uh, welcoming and about time as well. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. There's, there's a serious change that needs to come about the way that the VC ecosystem is kind of operated. And I'm very, very glad that this change has come about and people are uh, more active and, and plugged into the ecosystem than ever before. Now, so, so when, yeah. venture capital, I mean, just to close that loop, I think venture capital, as Naval pointed out, is a combination of three things, money, control, and advice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the minute you start bundling two of these things, three of these things, or one, I mean, just coming as a single package, founders can now be smarter about who they raise from uh, in looking at, okay, I'm just getting pure capital from him, brute force capital, or I'm just getting like uh, smart capital, which can open doors in different ways, like amplify my product messaging or uh, my hiring uh, needs. So a whole bunch of different combinations will come together in this bundle. And I think venture capital, I mean, we've unbundled and bundled everything else, right? Verticalization and horizontal, uh, bundling and unbundling so it's going to come to this industry as well and it's hit our shores as well in india that's amazing i'm really excited about what the next few years is going to hold for the country and for the startups as such it's the right time and i guess uh, another good thing is that we'll soon start seeing exits in uh, india in the next uh, few years which will really get the uh, the larger ecosystem a little more excited and give people a little more hope about the fact that there is opportunity for them to re-see their money once they put it into the ecosystem because that's been something that people have been hanging on to for a very long time. In fact, I was, I was speaking to one of the, uh, I was speaking to Ruthu Iktoshi, in fact, from uh, Inventors Capital and he mentioned that one of the reasons why domestic investors these days are a little more bullish on the, on, on, on the Indian ecosystem is because now you will start seeing opportunities where people will start, uh, the, 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 there will be liquidation opportunities for their investment, which has not traditionally happened in the past. And that's going to bring in more uh, investors into, into the system, and which is great. And you will see that both at the early stage, which is like a micro VC level, and you'll also see people coming in from uh, at the leader stage as well. And that whole growth is uh, wonderful for the ecosystem, which is going to, in fact, get a little more cyclical because money is going to get in, reinvested into the ecosystem and it becomes a virtuous cycle at the end of it. And uh, that's kind of like what we need because a lot for a long time we've had foreign money being invested in the country. And going forward, I think there's going to be a whole lot of domestic money that's going to get circulated within India as well. That's absolutely correct. I think so. the whole, I mean, the venture industry and the startup ecosystem go hand in hand. Uh, so I think it was only until 2012 or 2011 when 
the whole ecosystem really started getting some attention right attention right. and capital in terms of just the press and in terms of people finally accepting the startup uh, you can i mean startup employee as a acceptable career path right. and so we've really not even completed a decade into this whole journey of the indian startup ecosystem and we're already one of the top uh, ecosystems in terms of the wealth created i mean at least on paper and mm-hmm. uh, i mean just the number of employees is the number of companies being created i think we're number 4 globally apart from uk and us and china so i think it's a great time and i think with of course the influx of capital and uh, geo coming into this picture flipkart being acquired by walmart so these are all uh, companies where uh, some of the smaller companies will find uh, an exit towards uh, also uh, they'll find a home there so i think i'm extremely bullish about this uh, country's ecosystem that's wonderful i'm really excited about what the next few years holds for the country and the vc ecosystem at large and on that note i want to find out uh, what what's the last 6 months been for you it's been such a tricky time to be in this ecosystem there's a lot of uncertainty things have been going up and down uh, what have you seen personally from your your experience both as part of angelist and your own uh, fund yourself and at large speaking to other vcs around uh, around you what have you been saying what's the sentiment and what kind of insights can you share with us so angelus india when we started uh, we started investing two and a half years back uh, 2018 after the regulators allowed us and it's been a fairly upward journey since then uh, we've quietly become the most active seed investor in the country we're closing a few investments every week now through syndicates and our funds which run on the platform and uh, when 2020 started things were looking great uh, i mean at least on our platform deal activity was at its highest and we were super exuberant and there were a few exciting initiatives that we uh, had planned and we accelerated that equity list is one of them where we allow companies to basically manage their cap tables we'll come to that later but angelus india i think during the lockdown of course we saw i mean so investor sentiment at the earliest stages is definitely matched by the uh, parallel to the public market sentiment and that i think took a hit in march and april but after that i think people realized that what this pandemic is doing is actually accelerating the trend towards cloud technology and all of those things which were probably going to take 5 or 10 years to get adopted and and now i know i mean people ordering from e-commerce who probably don't even have i mean who never even imagined that they would order uh, from an online website uh, and would just access those products from like say the neighborhood mom and pop shop so all of these trends are getting accelerated and technologies i mean like edtech and saas companies and acceleration of cloud in terms of enterprise software so now people have realized that it's a great time to be investing in technology and we're back up uh, in terms of uh, angelus india and in terms of uh, portfolio companies getting marked up investments closing at a record pace uh, right now and uh, on the platform so we're i'm super excited about where the angelus india is headed and now we've launched equity list which is basically a cap table management software which allows i mean so a uh, key part of the startup ecosystem is also the employees right these are these are the two pillars on which a startup is built on it's not just the founder right the founder is standing on the shoulder of all of their employees so now we want to bring that level of visibility and level of uh, attention to the employees as well who put in blood sweat and tears into building that company and now with equity list they can see what their employee stock grant is worth and we want to unlock this asset class as well and there are a few exciting initiatives a uh, plan for equity list in the future it's being led by one of our topmost engineers as the founder and ceo equity uh, sumukh shridhar is leading uh, equity list for us so we've got some exciting initiatives there as well uh, so we're building software plus we're growing our infrastructure venture infrastructure business and personally i mean i think the natural progression for anyone who's done syndicates on the platform 
they i mean if they built enough uh, goodwill amongst their lps they tend to like uh, graduate towards uh, i mean raising their own microphone because i think it allows for pe allows people or angel investors or operators to just write quicker checks and just do one single raise and then go out and invest for the next two years without the hassle of doing syndicates or writing memos and get access to even more private deals in a much uh, i mean a much streamlined manner so that's what i thought that i should uh, jump towards uh, discussed with navel if he'd like exposure to india about uh, i think in february and he said they're happy to anchor the fund and he invited a lot of his friends as well who were excited and curious about india as well to learn but also support indian founders so that's how i see it came along uh, I, i think i started raising towards march and closed it during the lockdown over the two months and people are excited and we made uh, from i see it i've done close to 12 investments in the last four months and uh, very very excited by the trajectory some of these software companies are seeing so i think the next decade for india and the software industry coming out of india we're going to i mean move out of the limelights where we're just seen as an it back office versus to the likes of freshworks and zoho taking over the world in terms of uh, their product capabilities right. so it's super exciting uh, both at angelist india and i seed uh, for my personal investing did it kind of surprise you how quickly you were able to one close the fund and two how much interest you were able to generate in a very short period of time during the pandemic especially in a country that hasn't given a lot of liquidity or exits for investors as such so to be honest i actually raised the capital entirely uh, non indian capital uh, my fund is based in us it's run on angelus us right uh, due to certain reasons because i mean most of the i mean entire uh, the capital base was entirely foreign and i wanted to build the bridge where uh, angels the star angels in india are almost always accessible to the founders but i wanted to bring silicon valley closer to india so mm-hmm. that was the reason that i raised it in the us where all of the lps would be comfortable investing in a, a structure closer to them uh, of course the pandemic came hard in the middle that i mean in march and april i had uh, i mean i had doubts that i would be able to uh, close the fund but it's a very tiny fund so i think uh, people were still supportive of the fact that uh, it's a long term industry right a pandemic right. will probably last a year or two but if you're taking a decade long view uh, investing into a technology industry it will probably look like a blip so and i mean sequoia and all the other hayload venture firms and really made some of the best investments during a downturn i know history doesn't repeat itself but right. it's i mean uh, subdued prices and people who are really starting up companies now really need to have the guts i mean you really need to uh, be uh, i mean strong enough to say that hey i'm willing to let go of the comfort of a monthly paycheck versus say starting up a company and going out to raise capital so it's a great time to be investing and great time to be starting up as well Uh, was there anything that you took away from the whole fundraising process that kind of one surprised you and two was and 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 two kind of made you feel like hey you know what there's this kind of makes me a little more optimistic about what the future holds in india i have always been optimistic about uh, investing i think you always have to be and anybody who's uh, experienced uh, as an investor into this uh, uh, asset class given most of my lps are active angel investors or uh, uh, investors in other funds themselves so they were always optimistic about this asset class i didn't have to convince them that hey this is a decade long play that we're doing so you don't have to be worried about the short term blips i think uh, i had to do a little bit more education about why india is exciting and what's really just happening uh, here uh, we're slightly disconnected uh, in terms of uh, i mean of course not every lp knew that hey india is exciting and what level of excitement can be generated by a new entrance in the market like what geo was doing to the whole landscape of 
Indian consumption of data and uh, uh, these new technologies. So a little bit of education went, but it also, I mean, I, I got excited along the way and I was happy to be a torchbearer for the Indian ecosystem to some new people, uh, basically. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, you know, there's a lot that I want to actually unfold here and ask you a little more questions. But before we go ahead, I'm really curious about your journey. We've been talking for so long right now, but we haven't really explored that aspect uh, of, of, your, uh, of your story. How did you end up here? And what are the key events that kind of led you to where you are today? <laughs> I mean, I'm super, super lucky. So uh, luck is a great uh, element in my whole uh, story leading up to uh, Angelus. But I had a keen uh, interest in technology. I started learning to code myself uh, when I was in school in Delhi. Uh, that's where I grew up and I was born and raised. Uh, then wanted to do information systems and uh, had a keen interest in finance as well. And the combination of these two things in business. So I did uh, my undergrad in Singapore. And uh, after that, I held a bunch of roles in different organizations like Bank of America, where I did investment banking. I did SCA Technologies, where I was doing a technology role. So nothing really stood out, to be honest, from that whole process. But I think all of this uh, led me to this time when I literally wanted to all of the learnings and all of the passions and hobbies and I think brought came together in this one single role, right, at AngelList. And uh, when I got connected to Naval, uh, he was excited about India. They had done, Naval had done an interview in the newspaper saying that they're exploring India, but mm -hmm. the regulations were really, really tricky. So I spent a month uh, just understanding the regulations and if AngelList could work with what we, I mean, do we, what AngelList does in the US syndicates. And I mean, got really lucky when uh, I figured out a way, but it still involved getting a green light from the regulators, which took me a year. And uh, one thing led to another, then uh, yeah, launched Angelus and things have been exciting since. Uh, everything previously is super insignificant. So, I mean, the last four years of my career have been, uh, and the major part of my career has been uh, with Angelus uh, in India. That's amazing. And uh, I also want to like speak to you about ICED and I want to bring that topic up for discussion because one of the things that, or the theme for the episode today is about micro VCs. I want to explore that with you. Let's begin by defining the category for the topic of discussion today. I'll go ahead and define the category in terms of what I think it is, but I have to warn you that it's a very textbook definition, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so in my opinion, boundaries, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Boundaries are so blurred these days that any definition flies. Ah, that's perfect. On that note, let me go ahead and uh, share with you what I think about it. I mean, it's basically smaller VC firms that uh, primarily invest at the seed stage, early stages, emerging growth companies, uh, which often have a fund size of anywhere between, say, five to fifty million dollars, and typically invest anywhere between two fifty to five hundred k checks, uh, depending on how big the fund is. Now, that's my definition, and that must be a very Western definition given the micro VC funds here. I've heard some of the micro VC funds uh, here having 80 to 100 million as well, and they still classify themselves under the category, <laughs> I, which I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not. But what about you? What, what is your definition of micro venture capital, and uh, what, what kind of like constitutes that from, the, from an Indian context? Sure. So I think different ways to look at it. Uh, I think the first thing is that decision making. Uh, the power should lie with a, a single individual or a small group of individuals. I think regular VC firms are uh, sort of characterized by this large partnership where they have to take a decision. Uh, I mean, uh, an opportunity to all the partners and get the buy-in from all of them. A micro VC fund should be nimble, should be fast, should be allowed to, even if they like the opportunity, should be able to cut a check on the spot uh, 
I think the pace of execution in terms of deal making and building that conviction should be much faster than other funds. The quantum of the fund, of course, can be different. It can be as little as even 2 million, right? I mean, micro VC funds are not determined by the usual characteristics of a VC fund. Shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't. I mean, I mean, if you're an operator fund, then you shouldn't have to rely on a management fees to make your money, right? Your LPs are get buying into the, uh, the performance of the fund. So you should just charge like a carry if you're, uh, if you're so confident that you'll do well uh, in terms of delivering a return to your investors. And they should, I mean, be small, uh, which we've discussed already. Uh, they should raise from a large number of LPs just because LPs themselves can be super useful uh, in terms of your investments and mm-hmm. bringing uh, help to this thing. And so it's always advisable that the micro VC funds let the people know in public who their LPs are, that I think uh, the founders know who their LPs are. I think that's a super helpful move to the founders so that they know where they're getting this money from. So it's not just one operator that they're raising from, but a bunch of 20, 30, 50 angels who back to get uh, backed. Uh, to get access to this uh, operator's investing. So I think these are some of the, I think key, uh, this thing, uh, characteristics of say a micro VC. Quantum can be different. It can be anywhere between five to 50, like you rightly pointed out. Anything over should be classified as a seed fund where you need support of uh, other people uh, in the sense that you need to have an analyst team and associate or other partners uh, helping you out. Uh, because right. anything larger than that, you won't be able to do justice to uh, like sort of landscaping the market uh, yourself. Completely agree. Those were great points that you made. And one of the biggest truths about micro VC is that there's very little money involved from a budgetary perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Because perhaps even within the Indian context, you can perhaps say the 2% management fee structure would suffice even for a $10 million fund just because of the mm-hmm. conversion rate and everything. But it's definitely harder compared to the bigger funds or even seed funds. Why are we seeing a rise in micro VC? And what factors and trends made you want to launch your fund? at this given point of time in India? So I think micro VCs are collaborative and not competitive. That's what I love about this as a feature. Mm. I I think that's a feature, not a bug. I've never fought for ownership. I've never, and actually, I mean, most of the best firms in the country view me as a cute check on the cap table of the companies, which brings more helpfulness uh, relative to the check size that I'm writing. If I'm writing a 100K check, I'm delivering impact for much more than that. And that I think is a cute feature of this uh, micro VC asset, I mean, model where uh, you're not competitive. The minute you get competitive, you really need to be on your toes uh, about sourcing deals and uh, building conviction in a, in a much, I mean, in a much deeper way than any other fund would and first, right? So you really need to be a brand out there and uh, where founders just want you as the lead of the round. So, mm-hmm. so I think micro VCs can, of course, exist on multiple cap tables quickly, write quick checks. And I never wanted the bureaucracy of a regular venture fund. I never wanted to take the onus that, hey, I, I, I love investing, but that's not what I want to do full time. Like in the sense that re- running a regular VC fund, you're in that constant treadmill of raising capital, deploying capital, yeah. three, 10, uh, three years of deployment, then go out and raise before your fund ends. And then, deliver and exit as, as an angel, as a micro VC, I'm not so dependent. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly, I mean, at the later stages, a series A and over once the larger institution comes into the picture, I'm almost always passive on the cap table. I'm usually like a monthly call with the founder or whenever the founder wants to catch up about just uh, informally about anything uh, under the sun and a call away. But mm-hmm. the minute you become a large fund, you need to deliver this control. You need to sit on boards and 
those are things mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy beyond a certain point. And that's not my skill set and expertise as well. I never want to be sitting on a board and analyzing uh, monthly statements and projections and all of those things, which are not that exciting to me, to be honest. So it's exciting at the earlier stages when you have to believe in the vision and the mission and the founder's story more than anything else. So I love uh, what I do and wouldn't graduate to a higher level uh, than this. Well, I love that you say that because uh, two points that I want to mention here, I was, uh, I was, meant, I, I was speaking to another VC way recently, uh, and this is a mature fund in India, not a micro VC fund. They have about, uh, I think they have $150 million that they're investing out of their latest fund. Now, he was telling me that he looks at venture capital as a very collaborative effort as well. And you, you just mentioned that even from a micro VC perspective, it's a very collaborative effort. It's very competitive here in the Valley and here in, in, in the US. Is it because India is a smaller ecosystem? I mean, it's, a, it's relatively big for sure, but in terms of uh, the players out there, it's relatively small in comparison to uh, the US as such. So does that mean you're not really competing for a lot of deals and you're kind of co-investing with a lot of uh, other funds, especially at the early stages? And that kind of gives you an opportunity to also diversify, especially if you're an agnostic fund. True. So the market is not that big and deep. I think the pie is not that big in India yet, uh, to be honest. But I'd like to believe the market at even the earliest stages is so competitive in India in terms of uh, angels getting uh, cashed. I mean, being chucked out of allocations or rounds. Mm-hmm. And I mean, VCs have come down to the point that Sequoia is running their own accelerator program, their scout right. program in India. So it's, yeah. I mean, such such an insanely competitive market that in funds now want to actually step into the territory, which was usually uh, a comfort spot for micro VCs and angel investors typically. And so now they're taking up the whole, I mean, I mean, they're capturing the whole landscape and how do you actually differentiate yourself will truly be the key to getting this. So I would say that collaborative in the sense that sure, if you bring value to the cap table, then the founder will want you and founder should have the power to tell the VC that, hey, I want this uh, micro fund on my uh, cap table or uh, in my round or in my journey. Mm-hmm. But uh, at, I mean, but in, VCs have to, I think, given that their their model responsibility is delivering a return to their LPs, right? Their mm-hmm. uh, true model responsibility or shareholders are truly the LPs who've given them capital and expecting a return. So you, if you have conviction in a company, you're probably, I mean, if you're say operating at the series A or B level, and if you have 5 million round happening, you want to ideally take up the whole $5 million round. So I'm not going to call up another VC and say that, hey, I am doing this, but I'm doing this uh, round in, like I'm writing a two and a half million check. Why don't you do the rest? Um, VCs say collaborative because of course, knowledge sharing and exchanging of information about the industry is there, but they become more collaborative when they have to get somebody else to mark up uh, their portfolio. It's not usually in the same round. Right. And the other thing that you mentioned was, you know, being nimble and able to raise funds quickly and you don't have to worry about being on boards and all the compliance aspects that kind of get, uh, the bigger funds actually get caught up in. And fundraising for a micro VC is exactly like fundraising for a product startup. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's perhaps even may, maybe even more, little more difficult, in fact, uh, given that you're not really raising money from uh, traditional uh, retirement funds or endowments as such, and you're raising money from angels and individuals. So there's, is, do you think there's a lot more risk involved in micro VC funds rather than traditional venture capital firms in India? Historically, I think the smaller funds have always delivered a better return because we get cashed out much earlier. Uh, historically, all the smaller funds have done better. If you see any fund which is over a billion dollars, I don't think uh, right now they're doing any better than uh, 
any other fund, uh, to be honest. Uh, and they're not even beating some of the S&P. I mean, some of them are not beating S&P 500 returns as well. Uh, so I think that angel investing globally as well brings a higher percentage in terms of average IRR. I think the uh, average IRR for the industry is, I think, 23, 24%, uh, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's substantially higher than the regular venture industry at the later stage. So uh, it's a great time to be at the early stages because you will get liquidity much earlier, at least in the Indian ecosystem, much earlier than any other uh, fund as well. Because to cash out a large uh, entry on the cap table, you do need uh, to bring in some uh, hefty fund, which is trying to cash you out, uh, given your uh, requ- meeting your funds uh, requirement as well in terms of IRRs and stuff. It's very interesting to me that there are more people like you getting involved with uh, micro VC, we were talking about good capital and some of the other companies, other VC funds as well within the Indian ecosystem. Now, if you were to break down the average VC fund size across the globe, and even within India, you will see that there's a bubble sort of a curve wherein you have a lot of money that's resting at the pre-siege and seed stage. And then there's a bigger percentage dedicated towards growth stages, there's a CDC and beyond. Now, I guess I can perhaps break this down into two questions here. Why would you pick an early stage um, set up when there's a clear need in the market for funds that support series B and series, uh, series A and series B startups and two are well-known LPs the key to attracting startups at the micro VC stage I mean you spoke about Naval uh, and you know, other people who are part of uh, your LPs as such what's the value proposition in other words that a micro VC brings to the table that bigger VC funds don't to be honest, it's just nimbleness. I mean, for a founder to do the whole song and dance with, say, a regular VC fund to even raise a million dollar check at a seed round is much longer. He'll have to do customer reference checks and founder right. reference checks and a whole bunch of data digging. Uh, and micro VC funds don't typically have that power uh, to ask for too much time to do a diligence. And they probably don't have the bandwidth as well. So they're typically betting at the earliest stages on the founder's uh, story and the founder's journey and what he's trying to uh, build as a vision uh, of his uh, of a better future and his through his company. So we're truly at a pace. I mean, I do. I mean, given that you've seen my pace uh, in last four months, I've done 12 investments. Yeah. If I'm sitting at the series B or C stage, it's not that exciting. <laughs> right. So I enjoy the excitement and the pace at the earliest stages. And people are trying out a whole bunch of different things at this stage. And I think it's way more exciting to hear uh, and speak to 10 different founders who are doing uh, different things versus say just one or two companies at the later stages in established uh, verticals. So that's why I enjoy this. And the value proposition uh, thing, of course, goes, uh, I mean, the founder will also see that what you've invested in. And that's a vicious, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a chicken or the egg problem that once you, unless you invest in a whole bunch of good companies, you're not going to get attracted. Founders are not going to get attracted to you to uh, raise money from you. They do, I mean, the first four, I mean, the first thing that they see about a micro VC or operator is where else have they invested or what they're doing at their day job. So how do you increase the value proposition? So I said that to my LPs that, hey, I want you all to be engaged with the founders and I'm taking you into this fund based on, based on your time commitment that also just apart from money, you're giving some time as well uh, into this whole thing. And that really helped. And all the founders asked me that, hey, how can you help me with say, getting connected to a mid-stage SaaS company in, uh, SF where I want to uh, do a pilot for my project and mm-hmm. those connections are easier because I've announced these are the LPs so now why don't you connect uh, I can find you a connect uh, in my next quarterly update when I connect uh, with my LPs again and if it's something urgent I can hop on and recently I've joined Village Global as well which is truly innovating on the whole 
deployment in venture capital. I think it's a uh, way of deploying uh, capital through the networks. And they've created this thing called network leaders, where network leaders like me and other people who are doing something and are specialized in a particular thesis in a sector or a geography come together to part of the network. And these guys match, bring their, of course, network uh, and also bring capital as well. And they are super well connected in terms of just their LP base. They're backed by Mark uh, Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and all of the Reed Hoffman and like some great, truly uh, true pioneers in the internet industry. And so, I mean, I come with uh, Village Global and my fund and LPs and all of these things. So the founder truly gets, I mean, for a 100K check, the kind of network that I can bring and the connections that I bring, I think uh, should uh, convince most founders in most cases. Uh, in some cases, I have had to had uh, prove my worth on the cap table, my helpfulness before even getting access to their round. So I've had both side of, uh, type of conversations uh, that prove your value add before you get access to my uh, company. And, and that's a great question. I think that's a sign of a great founder who's actually done the work. I think more founders in India need to do their diligence on the investors, mm-hmm. uh, just how much investors do their diligence, just how as much as uh, the investors spend on uh, diligencing uh, a particular company as well. No, that's really important. And I think this is a common sentiment that I've heard on the podcast as well. A lot, lot, of, lot of VCs have been sharing that uh, with me as well, uh, saying that founders have actually gotten a little more smarter and uh, they now are at a better position in terms of taking capital and making decisions on their own and saying, hey, I, I don't want to be taking a check from you because I don't see the value proposition for this round. And in fact, uh, without naming the company, of course, we were expected to participate in a round for a YC company based here in the US. Uh, we had some very extensive conversations with them and towards the end, they didn't want to, they didn't want to take money from us. They said, hey, sorry, uh, the round is just oversubscribed. It just shows you how much sort of value that you need to create for the founders even before uh, they kind of feel it's, uh, it's, it's worthy to take money from you because there's a lot of capital in the ecosystem right now. And uh, as an extension, in fact, how much of your deal flow comes from outbound, like you going out and doing a lot of effort to get uh, companies uh, compared to uh, the inbound uh, deal flow that you get? If I have to put a rough range to it, I think 75% is outbound. So you 25% is inbound. Okay. I, I reach out to a lot of companies, actually. One of the slides in my fundraise was actually the slide mm-hmm. which uh, Naval suggested that I should put that, how did I source the best markups in my portfolio? Like, how did I get access to those companies? And I realized that most of these companies have actually have uh, in the best markups or the best investments that I've done have actually been cold reach outs or one founder which connected with me on Twitter and uh, I saw him following me and he was building something exciting and I reached out to him on a Sunday and we signed the term sheet on Tuesday. So it's really <laughs> been so random that you, it's a service industry. I mean, you snooze and you lose kind of uh, investment industry, to be honest. That's how competitive it is. And there are stories over the last month or so which have, experience personally that rounds are getting closed at a pace which is unimaginable uh, from say even two years down uh, two years behind uh, in the Indian industry so I think we've really uh, moved really fast it's I mean capital is a commodity so the only thing you can differentiate yourself as a uh, allocator of capital is how can you be of service to the founders and how can you be switched on uh, all the time so Uh, I guess it's a good point that you made that if you snooze you lose so how does an emerging fund manager at the micro VC stage, or even somebody who's angel investing and wants to be actively plugged into the Indian ecosystem, what can they do, in your opinion, to be not miss out on deals and be as active as perhaps you are, or somebody who's 
super who's a, who's like a super angel and who is plugged into the ecosystem so somebody who's breaking in to the industry from a non tech background and does not run a company or it's running a very traditional business uh, there are different ways to get yourself into the industry first start by putting out content right i mean how mm-hmm. will founders know that you're smart about a particular topic you have to either talk on podcast create your newsletter or just start tweeting and start i mean there are so many ways to put out content but it's never been easier to put out content but it's never been harder to differentiate yourself as well so you have to sort of start putting out thoughts uh, out in the open for people to come and discover you and then i think build a network where people do more for others than they do for you actually at this point of time uh, if you're just breaking into the industry like if you connected to a vc at some event or something start mm-hmm. by sending them some thoughts or see that hey this is an industry which i think might take off or this is a sector or a company which i've discovered on say an article that i read and here is why four bullet points on why i think it can work and then try to take it from there i think the more helpfulness that you put out you're going to get it back uh, eventually and that's a great way to start building deal flow uh, angel is solves for this problem by allowing people to invest in syndicates in very small ticket sizes so yeah. we've uh, we've shown who are the active syndicate leads what are the investments they've done we put out put out some return numbers as well that these guys have delivered returns or markups in this this company and over the investing career so why don't you follow them and build a relationship with the syndicate leads and eventually after you get into this industry and get inducted into the industry through investments or backing other syndicates or through offline networking or through online presence you'll eventually build a deal flow if you're on but i think the best investments for angel investors in india at least uh, i have personally seen come out when you're uh, i mean unless of course you're a unicorn founder and a tech founder where every other founder wants you on the cap table so you of course have to uh, then just sit in and filter the deals that are coming to you but if you're just mm-hmm. getting started or uh, then you have to do outbound and build uh, that level of uh, deal flow for yourself that's Access. a great point that's a great point that you make and uh, one of the people that i follow and i love and i'm sure you bumped into her as well as elizabeth uh, yin of hustle fund uh, oh, yeah. in new york and she does an amazing job of just putting out great content and tweets and articles and blogs and newsletters and she's everywhere you and she's doing zoom uh, webinars and stuff and she's a great example of somebody who uh, you know is as plugged in as possible and i don't even know how she completes the deals because i feel she's everywhere uh, in terms of everything that she does and for all the listeners who are you know who might be interested look her up and she's a great example from a us perspective that that might be a great starting point for a lot of people now you mentioned something about angel list and how that also becomes an opportunity for people to get plugged in now you being part of angel list and also running a fund of your own is there any sort of conflict of interest here i guess not because you're still doing it but uh, you know do you feel one is helping the other especially in right now uh to be honest almost uh, all the senior level people at angelus even in us have their own funds cuz just because you're in the industry so it's impossible to set it out uh, that's the more holistic answer but in legal terms of course we have to be extremely careful uh, angelus india has a portfolio of over 200 companies so i can't technically invest in a company unless it's sourced by me or i have done the outreach and i have and the founder wants me on the cap table so there mm-hmm. has to be and syndicate i mean so we're running like a tech enabled scout network where people like me are running their own funds and their syndicates and everyone sourcing for allocations in different rounds or leading syndicates and funds on the platform so i can't go and take somebody else's lunch i have to bring my own food cook it and the founder has to 
have the conviction that he wants me on the cap table. So I've never taken a deal on the, I mean, from the platform for my personal gain. That's something that, of course, we have to be extremely careful of. And given that we're regulated by the best, I mean, the security regulators in India and uh, the exchanges. So we are extremely careful about uh, any conflict of interest and are very mindful of that in terms of compliance. So, yeah, that answer your question. It definitely does. And, uh, you know, as an extension, I had one of these questions come in. I was circulating with uh, a couple of my friends and a question came in from a good friend of mine, a friend of the podcast called Natraj. And he said, a lot of people who started out as LPs uh, have now become GPs and syndicate leads uh, in, in the US. Are you enabling structures for this to happen in India? Or in general, are you yeah. hoping this would happen in the future as well? No, no. We're seeing some of the most active LPs have now become their own syndicate leads. Just because they've tasted the asset class, they enjoy it, they've uh, built pattern recognition uh, over time, they've seen the markups happen, and they've built connections in the ecosystem as well through the help of other GPs who are willing to shepherd them to the point that, okay, now you can be a syndicate lead of your own. And they become, I mean, it, it's sort of like this unsaid coaching which goes on between the GP and the L, uh, active GPs and the LPs, uh, this thing. So everybody coexists and it's amazing to see, I mean, it gives me great joy when an LP uh, starts their own syndicate. And we've had, I think, four or five incidents of that happening in India, uh, at least on Angelus India. And it's amazing. I'm, I'm personally involved in helping all of the LPs who are trying to start their own syndicates. And uh, we try to help them in any which way possible. That's wonderful. And uh, I actually want to bring out a tweet that you, that you put out a couple of days ago, which, uh, in which you said you noticed a couple of themes across the 12 investments that you made. And uh, one of the things uh, that I really found interesting was the part where you spoke about the macro awareness about the trends uh, in the country and the disconnect to reality. Could you elaborate a little more on what you mean by that so that our listeners can have a little more context? Sure. The founders, I mean, of course, the economy in terms of is facing pains in terms of its debt, li- debt levels and just a whole bunch of offline businesses going uh, bust, right? So people are realizing that, I mean, of course, uh, the macroeconomic uh, economic condition of the world is not in a great state or will not be for the next few years, at least. And we're going to see this major boom and bust cycle uh, in the level of debt and just a little bit of economic discomfort, which I think is coming up. The founders are aware that fundraising cycles might take longer, uh, that they should raise for a longer duration as well and how to handle their employees. So they're actually being uh, very, very thoughtful about all of these things and mindful of all of these things. And that's amazing to see. It's not like some blind, with blinders on, hey, I want to start a SaaS company and I'm going to sell uh, to XYZ. So it's really just the level of self-awareness in this ecosystem about how, uh, sure, the world uh, is not in a great state. We're in the middle of a pandemic and all of those things, but still having the balls to go out and start a company in a great software business, which might uh, eventually be a large company is just very heartening to see. That's amazing. I, I found that really, really interesting that you mentioned that. And, and, and you kind of like found that in just the 12 hour investments that you made in a very short period of time. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm very curious to see where, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'll have you back on the podcast or we'll connect offline about this. But about 12 months from now, I really want to understand where you are and what kind of trends you've seen post, I wouldn't want to say it's post pandemic because we're still in it. But hopefully we are in towards the uh, tail of uh, this weird period that we're in and what the next month, 12 months kind of hold for, for you as well as the larger context within India. 
No, I'm super excited. I hope the world comes out of this stronger and humanity as a whole survives and thrives after this. And uh, excited to see where the technology industry plays a part. Uh, we do need people selling SaaS businesses as well. We need people like Elon Musk trying to drive humanity forward and advanced technology at a, diff at a different scale, which is unimaginable by a regular human being. So exciting times, I think, uh, generally. And even for India, we're seeing a whole bunch of great things come out and founders doing tinkering at the edges of uh, new things. And it's amazing. That's great. And, you know, before we jump off, uh, we've got to do a rapid fire with you because that's just something oh, that man. we do with all the guests. <laughs> I'm going to shoot some questions your way and you're going to hit me back with some first thoughts that come into your mind. How does that sound? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great. So if you were an early stage startup in India today, beside mm -hmm. iSeed, who would be your top three VC firms on the list to reach out to? Sequoia Matrix Axel. Ah, that's, that, those are the usual suspects. I meant more from a micro VC perspective. Micro VC, India Quotient is really great. But micro VC, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm blurring the lines a little bit. Uh, so seed funds, India Quotient and Bloom Ventures is really great. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, these two come to my mind immediately. Awesome, great. Um, you know, one Indian company that launched in the last five or six years that you wish you had in your portfolio? CureFit. I think it's blending online and offline in such a beautiful way that it's amazing, impressive to see. Uh, I mean, the experience of, and, and a parallel to this exists nowhere in the world. I think CultFit and CureFit have done so well in terms of the holistic wellness and offline and online classes and the eat fit and the mind fit. And they're trying to complete the whole sector of health uh, under one umbrella in a company. And that's very exciting. I wish I had access to that. Uh, but I, I mean, given that Mukesh is an experienced entrepreneur, I think he's raised, uh, I mean, a large seed round to get started. I personally feel that the Equinox model that you have here in the US, mm -hmm. which, would have, which would have never worked in India as such because it's too expensive. But I think a cure fit has kind of laid the foundation right now for some, someone like an Equinox to, to perhaps come and enter the ecosystem and build and offer audiences something a little more different or something more, a little more elite and really take you from where the ecosystem is today in terms of fitness and elevate that into creating a more luxury product, which might be really interesting. And I, I, I do feel that there will be a company that will come across uh, in the next few few years, that would really give uh, CureFit a competition, not in the mid segment, but a more on the luxury side of things. What do you think? I totally agree with you. I think great full stack experiences uh, delivered using technology and coexisting in the offline world. I think they're just delightful for customers. And SoulCycle and Equinox probably solve for one vertical of that, but yeah, CultFit has like different kinds of classes, and I mean you can track everything on an app. It tells you what you need to eat, and if you want to order one single button, they own the offline experience as well. So you can't even if you enter like five minutes late to their class, you deducted a day of your membership. So smaller things like this have yeah. gamified the experience to a to an amazing level. I think it's a great company. Yeah, and now the next question that I have for you is, what is one thing that you like to change about venture capital in India? I think. Uh, we need to put out a lot more content and knowledge out there. I think we've not advanced in the knowledge space. Uh, mm. We've not had a full stack venture firm uh, like A16Z or First Round Capital, which truly differentiates itself by delivering value in terms of the knowledge that they bring to the table. And I think that's really, really important for the ecosystem to advance and founders to know what are the pitfalls to avoid and what are the things that they should look for when they're hiring like their head of engineering or VP of 
uh, HR or uh, stuff like that. I think all those things, the more finer details can be put out uh, much more uh, to a much crisper level uh, uh, in the ecosystem for people to consume and start companies. Why do you think people haven't done that? I mean, it's, it isn't something that they hold very close only for their portfolio companies and they don't want to share it with everybody because that's not the value proposition or is it something that they haven't you know, explored at all? I think we moved way too fast as an ecosystem, to be honest. The acceleration and the deceleration in terms of just the whole ecosystem has been, uh, I mean, we've literally done this for a decade. So I think uh, we've yeah. got to give the industry some slack as well. So I think we're getting up to speed. We're getting up to speed. And I think US being way more competitive and India getting there, uh, we'll get uh, ourselves up to speed as well as an ecosystem in terms of investing and delivering more services to the founder more publicly. Nice. Okay. Uh, now I know you don't take both seats, but I have a very interesting question for you. If you could form a board of directors for your personal life, who gets a seat and why? <laughs> to be honest, I'm working with the people I admire the most. I think the people who I work with at Angelist are so amazing that, I mean, I'm glad that Angelist uh, was founded by Naval Ravikant, who I admire personally as well and professionally. So having an access and uh, to him and his thoughts uh, as I scale Angelus India, it's just amazing. So if I could have somebody else on the board, who would it be? It would probably be uh, uh, people I really, I mean, for Angelus India, right? You mean? No, for your personal life. Oh, for my personal life. Yeah, if you could form a board Naval of directors for your personal life, not, not for Angelus as such. Man, Naval Ravikant and Chris Saka. <laughs> just, that's wonderful, two people. And you work yeah. with them, you know them really well, so it kind of like makes sense as well. Yeah. That's, that's great. I kind of like knew one of them, but uh, good to know that Chris Saka is the other one. Chris Saka is a legend as well. So, I mean, it's also personal and professional both, right? Uh, now he's a great modern philosopher and Chris Saka is just a great investor and uh, yeah, done some great stuff. We, in fact, might be investing in one of the companies with him. Uh, I'll speak to you off, off, <laughs> offline about it, but that's, uh, we're really excited <laughs> about it. Uh, the investment. Yeah, let's see if that hopefully that crosses the line. Uh, you know, what's one piece of advice you want to give operator angels who are thinking about backing a few companies with capital and advice? Man, I hate giving advice and I hate making predictions about the future. Crystal ball gazing <laughs> is not my thing. <laughs> but uh, I think just get started. I think you learn along the way and uh, there's no right path or wrong path. I think just get started. I think it's exciting and people delay this decision to start a micro VC fund until uh, something comes along and this thing. I, I mean, there was no fixed path for me to raise this fund. I didn't even know that until 2020 started that I was going to have a micro fund of my own. I didn't mm -hmm. even cross my mind until February. So people just started to get started. And I think just be on the lookout for opportunities in terms of raising capital and deploying capital. Those are the two things that you need to uh, be pro proficient in uh, when running a fund or even thinking about raising a fund. So keep a lookout on opportunities and just go with it. Raising capital, deploying capital, both. That's great. That's a great piece of advice. And lastly, how can people reach you? Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm the most reachable person, actually. Uh, I think I feel yeah, amongst the early stage uh, angels in India. I put out my email. I put out my Twitter DMs are open. I accept almost every LinkedIn connection because, uh, I mean, serendipity can happen over like anything. Uh, some of my best investments have come at a random conversation on LinkedIn or something like that. So always reachable on LinkedIn. My emails are uh, out there uh, my, on my website and my Twitter DMs are always open. 
Now I have to agree and second that because I reached out to you on Twitter and that's how this whole conversation started. So uh, for those listening, <laughs> he is extremely reachable and I'm, he's not exaggerating when he says he gets back to you on different platforms. So uh, that was the rapid fire itself. This has been great speaking with you and you had some wonderful insights packed into a short episode and I'm thrilled that we were able to do this. Um, so My pleasure, Akash. Yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch with you and rooting for some big wins for your fund. And I'm very excited and stoked about what AngelList has in store for India going forward. Awesome. I will keep you posted. Hopefully more to come. And that brings us to the end of our 30th episode. Wasn't that insightful? I enjoy these conversations as they bring new perspectives to existing and newer trends within venture capital. Thanks again, Utsav, and wishing you great success for the fund. Well, if you enjoyed that episode as much as I did, and generally the podcast as well, I'd urge you to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. It really helps others discover it as well. Well, before we sign off, don't forget to look up Flatheads, the online casual sneaker brand optimized for 14-hour comfort, and Moverbox, a Bangalore-based startup that's helping people vacate and relocate their homes in a personalized manner. You can find links to both these startups in the episode notes below. October is filled with great VCs, people, and I'm really looking forward to bringing them all to you. Stay tuned, and until next week, keep hustling.